sensible people say. And because these staff and double jokes keep building up impossible hopes, impossible things are happening every day. Impossible, 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 impossible. Welcome to another episode of Cake and Kombucha, y'all. It was almost impossible for me to get here. You don't want to know how I almost karate chopped the side of this Lyft driver's car. He saw me. He saw me. I was standing here with my new VIP Fenty packages. No, that's not an advertisement. I'm just trying out new underwear. That's all. And he still drove away. He still drove away. I'm running down the street screaming Kasim. Got up to the red light. Decided to just pretend that I didn't know he canceled me because I like to play the nut roll sometimes, kind of like our government, which we're going to get into in a moment, and just be like, oh, hey, hey, you drove by me. Are you confused? Oh, oh, sorry, I had to cancel. Because, yeah, shut up. Shut up. That's why I got double the credit back. <sighs> okay, just going to take a deep breath. That was an aggressive start to our 15th show. It is our 15th show. Do you know what that means? It means that we had 15 shows. I am your host, Kalechi Aza. Cake and Kombucha is a place where we discuss politics, pop culture, life. You know, you know how it is. I am in a new space today, just trying things out. If you hear some musical theater singing in the background, we're going to have to adjust it. Um, I'm not even going to shout out where I am until I figure out whether it works and whether they can give me a discount. <laughs> because she's, she's on a plan. She's got a budget. Anyway, welcome back. It's been such an eventful week, and it just seems like one news story comes out and is superseded by the next one, by the next one, by the next one. So let me not linger. Let me not linger too long on the the pleasantries of trying to get from point A to point Z in New York City. Let's just get right into it. Okay, you guys, this tea is hot. And it still might be happening. In fact, let me pull up my phone right now. I was on the YouTube, and then I was on the Facebook, you know, reports from the Hill. They got it going on. I'd be catching my live news reports from there. But yeah, I was, I've been watching the Michael Cohen hearings all day. And this is truly fascinating. It's truly fascinating. So where do we begin? I mean, what a tangle web has been woven Okay, so Michael Cohen, President Trump's former personal lawyer, um, he started working for him in 2007, and he's going to jail. He's going to jail, you guys. I, so I'm just going to say right off the bat that when your lawyer goes to jail, it's not a good sign. It's a sign that you may have been involved in something illegal. I know that that sounds like common sense, but... um, I just, I want to put that out there because it's something that keeps being tossed around in this comedy show circus that is going on right now. So, I mean, Michael Cohen is laying it all out there and he's being very plain spoken about it. He said, I like that he didn't do the whole, this isn't me, I'm going to get into it later. He didn't do the whole, that's not me, I can't believe I did this. He did, he kind of said, well, I used to have morals, but I, I, abandoned them and I really got involved in stuff that I knew was wrong. I knew it was wrong and I did it anyway and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to my family. I'm sorry to, you know, my my wife. Like he didn't do the Kavanaugh crying tears and, you know, saying we only had tea parties in high school and that, you know, 
pin the tail on the girl's butt is actually a, a church game or whatever the whatever those weirdos were playing. I don't I don't even want to get into their hot wet American summer nonsense. But he he's plainly saying, I want to tell you all this about your president because he is the president. It would be pertinent for you to know this information that I'm sharing, that the president is, in his words, a con man, a crook, a racist. I mean, we already knew that, but let's not pretend we care. A liar. Um, and I want to tell you why. So he offers proof that Donald Trump already knew about the WikiLeaks uh, email dump for Hillary Clinton before it came out and was like, oh, great. He says that Donald Trump never wanted to be president, that he referred to this as the biggest uh, infomercial ever, which I think we already, I think we knew that too. You could tell on his face he was surprised. Um, he said that, you know, President Trump said every pres every name a country run by black people that's not a shithole. Well, the sad part about that is he said that in public, essentially. I mean, he said that my father's from a shithole. We're all, I guess America was a shithole when Barack Obama was running it. I mean, that we're going to get into that later, like pretending we care about racism when we really don't. Because like, we, I mean, that's already been out there. Um, what other tea did he spill? He did confirm paying off Stormy Daniels. Stormy said, good job, sweetie. She said she's proud of Michael for finally telling the truth. And, you know, he said he had to lie to Ivanka. Don't worry, honey. She's been lied to. She's just going to, she's, she's she been lied to before. She. I don't think this is her first time. She knows. She's, she's playing the position that she picked. Um, what other tea did he give? Um, it, it was just all, some stuff we knew. And some stuff that was just more an in-depth look at the president's character. Um, apparently, they sued and threatened the college board and his universities to not release his SAT scores and GPA and everything. And then he would go around, you know, and then he goes around and says that, you know, our, our ex, well, I was about to say our president, my current still president, Barack Obama, you know, who, wasn't he head of the paper, the Harvard Law Review, um, that he was a bad student, we need to check his records, you know. So he points out the hypocrisy. He points out things that should matter to people that vote for Trump, that he's not a straight shooter. Nothing about this is sincere. He's fully aware of taking advantage of things like tax incentives and laugh that he got $10 million back from the government and taxes and won't, you know. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's, it's taking all day. I'm not going to try to summarize it all for you. Okay, so... Like I said, I really can't give you all this tea. The tea is still developing. There's tea being poured out of teacups. It's like there's a woman with a teacup on her head and two teacups on her hands, like one of those acrobats, and she's pouring it from the teapot on her head. The tea, you, you get what I'm saying. It's a lot because now people are tweeting things that are just ill-advised. Like some Florida congressman was just like, does your wife know about your girlfriends? Well, she's going to find out now. People always act like, you know cheating on people is the issue when we're talking about literally colluding with Russia. Don't nobody care about your girlfriends, but we care about the illegal part. And that's that's why I do think it's funny that Republicans keep trying to weaponize these things like you guys commit adultery too and you guys are racist too. Yes, we know. Can we talk about how someone is in office like breaking all of the laws? Anyway, that is the, what I found really funny about these hearings. So there sh it shouldn't be that partisan. I mean, nothing that's happening should be happening. So what am I even saying? But like the difference between the questions were amazing. 
nothing. And Michael Cohen even had said, he said, look, bitches, I have all this tea. And not one of you from the GOP has, the, the, the grand old poopy, has asked me about the president. You would think you would want to ask the president's personal lawyer who is going to jail questions about things they did together, like, you know, personal lawyering type things, those type of things. Your lawyer usually knows a lot of stuff about you. You talk to them a lot, especially if you're a billionaire. There's just stuff that needs to be done, bodies to be buried, people to be murdered, collusions to be colluded upon, you know? They know some They know some things. And he was like, he didn't say all that, I'm saying that. But he was like, you would think that, that you would ask me some questions. You haven't asked me a single question about him. This was like, at this point, this was probably like, it had been going on for a couple hours. It was close to noon when he said that. It, it was just like they were on a rampage to discredit someone who's already going to jail. He has been discredited. What, are we not in America? Like, are we, is this not the place where we, you know, we give people immunity for testifying against other criminals they committed a crime with? Uh, someone, a Democrat got up and said, you know, we wouldn't have such and such mob boss in jail who'd done way worse things than Michael Cohen has, you know, people have killed people. We accept their testimony. If we didn't accept the testimony of criminal and pe- criminals and people who have done other scurrilous acts, then there would be, like, nobody in jail. There would be no witnesses. Who's usually witnessing you do shady shit? It's not usually, like, you know, your Sunday school teacher. I was like, I just happened to be in the room when he was naked and rolling around in his dollar bills. No, that makes no sense. So they went on a campaign to call him names, browbeat him, disparage him. He was like, look, I already told you I'm shitty. I told you I'm shitty. I said that first. Ask me some questions. He wasn't like super defensive, which I appreciated. He was a little bit defensive against the stuff that he knew was just utter bullshit, but he's pretty contrite. Like, and they they still tried to like railroad him into admitting what? Admitting that he's a liar? Yes, I'm a liar. I lied over and over again for the benefit of the president. And that's what he kept saying. He also said that he, they kept trying to get him to say that he wasn't going to take a book deal. And he was like, no, I'm not going to say that. As well, he shouldn't. If you get in some shit, because you work for the maniac for 10 years, and I'm not saying that Michael Cohen on his own wouldn't either have like become someone sort of like Trump, wouldn't have kept going until he got caught. Like he obviously... His morals aren't great, you know. I, my, my, both of my sisters are lawyers. I have cousins who are. They're not in jail, and they don't work for, you know, dictators and, and megalomaniacs and weirdos. So you do obviously have choices. You know, we all make choices. But I, I still think he doesn't need to, after he goes to prison, join. they wanted him to, like, join a monastery and say he's never going to make any money again. He has kids, you know? It was laughable to watch a bunch of Republicans try to make this man insist that he was never going to make money again. How, Sway? How are you going to tell the lawyer of the president who was, like, sued for, like, a pyramid scheme with his fake university? I mean, he has so many lawsuits against him now. Business dealings are still happening. What? Are you joking? Are you joking? So now making money is at, and being an entrepreneur and stuff like that is at odds with, you know, your American dream. It doesn't, these double standards are insane. 
it, I, I just I just couldn't believe it. So, but that's pretty much how it went. I mean, Republicans were like, "You lie, shame, shame," and he was like, "Yes, shame on me. We've we did it. We said that. Like, what do you, what else?" And so then the Democrats actually asked him questions, trying to get information. Can we find out? Can we finally see those tax returns? Like, what's going on there? And I can't even tell you the results of some of that yet. I think Ocasio-Cortez already just started asking her questions. I'm sure that is going to be a read from the depths of the bottom of the earth. I cannot wait. So I will have more to report on this, and I'm sure there's just going to be more bad behavior, people doing weird things. I really wanted to watch Fox to see what they were saying, but I mean, yes, if everyone around you goes to jail, but you don't, and you're in charge of them. What? If Can I get a Trump supporter at least to say that he has bad judgment? Might you have bad decision-making skills? All of things, uh, you know, all our attributes, which might not make for the best president, someone that doesn't have the foresight to, you know, employ people who aren't going to go to federal prison, like flies, just drop, just drop in federal prison, like... I, I just, I feel like I'm being trolled. I just want to be in a world, I want to be in a country where people say things that sound believable, that sound like they actually mean them, and aren't extremely insulting to everyone's intelligence. And yet, I live in one where at the same time as this insulting my intelligence, I, because I was watching, you know, Facebook Live on the Hill, I could see that it really makes sense to some people. From the comments, I don't care anything, Michael. I don't care what Michael Cohen says. I believe my president. You believe him against what, sis? I, everyone else in the world is lying and he's not. How can they work together? They were doing the same things for the same purpose. And it is obvious that it ended up protecting the person who is not a jail yet. I was just like, yo, this defies all kind of logic. So we're just going to wait on that one. We're going to wait and see. Ivanka Trump, fake feminist, strange assistant, peddler of clothes that I boycott at Century 21, supposedly attractive, might be a dementor. I look in her eyes and I don't see common sense, a soul, or pupils. She made some really, really dumb comments this week about the Green New Deal. Green New Deal is spearheaded by Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Ed Markey. Um, and these are policies focused on job creation through the renewable energy sector. And some features of this, of which Ivanka Trump responded to, are that the deal would ensure that Americans have a job with a family-sustaining wage, I'm reading this, adequate family and medical leave, paid vacation, and retirement security. Sounds pretty, I mean, I don't know, sounds like good? But I guess that's why it's bad, if I use Republican logic. I should also mention that the Green New Deal is obviously clearly named after the New Deal, which was Franklin Delano Roosevelt's uh, program in the 30s to pull us out of the Great Depression, which created things like Social Security. Now, pay, pay very close attention because Trump supporters don't have a problem with Social Security for themselves. They only have a problem with things that they perceive are doing things like you know, fixing structural inequalities, pulling black people out of poverty when they were placed there through racism and these structural inequalities, things like that. But if it's helping them and it's from the government, there's no issue with it. So 
Let me find Ivanka's commentary for you right now. I don't think most Americans in their heart want to be given something. There, I've spent a lot of time traveling around this country over the last four years. People want to work for what they get. I don't think that talking slowly and deliberately means you're more sincere. I've spent a lot of time listening to bitches like you roll their L's when they say a lot of time and pretend they're intelligent. And I just really, I think you should stop getting surgery on your nose before it disappears. It looks like a switchblade. If you wonder why I keep attacking the way she looks, it's because she looks crazy. But also it's because this is personal for me. I'm taking off the gloves. We're fighting. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to set your little coats on fire, even though they're not the ugliest, but that's because you steal designs from other designers, as we all know. It's a conspiracy. This woman's father is over here laughing about how stupid the government is to give him $10 million back on his taxes. He, I didn't mention this in the prior segment, drove by Chicago and said to Cohen, only black people would live like this. These people want us. They are using this strange, you know, psychology that we have in America of bootstrapism, of ignoring, you know, the water that we all swim in being dirty and just saying like it's fine, like work your way to the work your way to the top no matter if you started 6 feet under the ground, you know, you, we're going to give you the same shovel and you both dig your way to the top. Did I just switch from a water metaphor to a dirt? I did. And I think that you still know what I'm talking about. But this is not innocent. This is not just being out of touch. This is not like a delusional, whimsical, you know, this is not like Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler that lives inside of the museum and is like, darling, come have tea cakes with me. Like, we all have our rich friends that are a good fucking time and that make our lives a little bit easier and just help us and buy a shit. This is not that. These are people who will steal hurt, discredit. Cohen talks about all the companies that he had to call and bully and just tell them, hey, guess what, mom and pop shop who did a job for us, you're not getting paid. And how Trump would be like, ha ha, good job and revel in these stories of just sticking it to the man. I mean, again, this is a man who tried to steal from his own father when his father was dying. These are, this is not benign. And I'm so sick of acting like things are benign because it's a blonde white woman with whose eyes are really far apart. I don't, it's not innocent. So she is telling you this, she's feeding you this bullshit. And it's it's a siren call to, well, sirens bring you to the rocks and kill you. No, they attract you. Yes, they attract you, then they kill you. It's this perfect. It's a, sorry, those are my uncle headphones just died and powered down. Rude, didn't tell them to do that. This is how she maintains her wealth. This is how he maintains his wealth. So they, they are very aware of the language that they are using. It motivates their crazy, crazy-ass base, who, by the way, are not motivated to do things like learn new skills, figure out how to not be coal miners anymore, stop chimney sweeping in lieu of you know becoming a computer programmer. That's not an option. The option is 
we are white. We deserve to be here. We deserve for things to be exactly the way they always were. We work hard. And then at the end of our lives, we get our Social Security. The government gives this to us. And that somehow separates us from everybody else, from those people crossing the border who are trying to come and, and work so fucking hard, really, from black people who are obviously extremely hardworking, but since we built the country, but, like, it's just the, the biggest joke of, of life that, like, you know, we're considered not... It's it's very incendiary. I don't find anything to be innocent about what she said. Um, but it's also just such bullshit, right? Because first of all, no, I don't want to work. I want to do creative things and fun things that uplift my spirit and make me feel alive. And sometimes I do get antsy when I'm not working, but that's because I, I feel like I'm not you know being productive. But I don't think anyone just wants to do menial labor just to do it. I mean, if we had more vacation time in America and just kind of had like a different, you know, joie de vivre, kind of like the French or something, we might have a little existential crisis first and be like, what are we supposed to do with our time? But then we might find out like you're supposed to enjoy your life. You're supposed to be with your family. You're supposed to go be in the ocean, be in the water. You're supposed to sing. You're supposed to cook. You're supposed to make wine and stomp on grapes with your feet. I know I sound like I'm going in, but I really have come to a place where I have to ask these questions in my life, like, what is the point of this? What is the point of that? And peel back these layers. And I think it's so, like, it's just very anti... I think it's, like, part of our, you know, puritanical heritage but might not be what the real core of like connecting with any greater bearing and being and spirituality is supposed to be because even if we're supposed to be industrious are we supposed to be industrious and like you know Michael Cohen was industrious he was industrious to help this man make money and and my point is that what are these things that we're working for are these even good I'm really rambling but what I want to say is work for work's sake I don't consider that a virtue. So if that makes me a lazy bohemian, sign me up, okay? I no longer even consider that a value. I wish that is something that we would question. But for her to say, I think they want to work for what they have. Do you work for what you have? You don't. Because what you don't understand is you've never been in a position, Ivanka, where if you don't work, you don't eat. You don't, like all these rich people, and who's doing it now too? Oh, Kardashian, um, Kylie... Kardashian, her last name is not even, oh, it's Jenner, Kylie Jenner, is talking about contesting the whole like self-made billionaire thing, saying I am self-made because I took my $250,000 I had at like 17 from modeling. And I, how do you think you got the modeling contract? You're not attractive. I'm sorry, you built a new face. That's, it's it's really fun. Like you don't look like your sisters and it's fine. And I'm sure it's a hard family to grow up in but you, you made your face look like them. The modeling was before that. You were on a TV show. with your, your. There was a TV show about your family. Are you telling me that you're so dumb and your analysis of the media is so simple-minded that you don't understand what made you... You don't understand that we're having a moment right now where most of the young models are either reality stars or the children of reality stars or friends with pop stars, and it's about Instagram views and likes like... That's your cultural analysis. Like you, you feel like you just walked into like a regular casting. You hit the pavement. You hit the streets with your binder. Like you were on Top Model. No, you didn't. You fool. Okay. You made money because your family is famous, and they told you we're not helping you with this, but you can take your two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which most you know 
companies would die to have out of the gate, most small companies, most lip gloss companies, and then you made a billion dollars from that. And you're going to sit here and say that you didn't have any help from your family. This is what these people don't understand. Like, what are you even talking about? It's not a game. It's not a game out here. So because you started stealing other people's designs and making clothes, now you can say you're a businesswoman and you have it all. When did you feel like if you didn't work, you weren't going to have anything to eat for dinner? You know, like, I don't get it. I really don't get it. But I understand that these people are on a pedestal and it speaks to something really dark and insipid inside of our culture that has been manipulated. Um, it has to do with race. It has to do with, I think, religion. It has to do with economics. It's very, like, they are a lot of, there are a lot of strings that these people are pulling. And I think we need to pull back the wool from over our eyes. I know my listeners, you're in the same boat as me. You're not being fooled by this. But I want us all to, when we listen to this kind of thing, like really know what evil is. This is, to me, this is evil. This is not innocent. This is, this is, this is evil. And so Ocasio-Cortez says, no, a living wage is not a, is not a privilege. It's a right. And so without getting into, you know, the Bill of Rights and what the Constitution says and, you know, the pursuit of happiness, I'm just coming from like a Marianne Williamson place. Hey, girl, I, I know I made fun of you last week. And I found out we're connected actually by a degree of separation. Um, but that's okay. I, st I still stand by everything that I, that I said. It was, it, was, it was in fun. Like, the right, I just think you don't have to earn being alive. You know, we're born on this earth. We should all be able to eat and live and be with each other and have food. And I don't, I am not coming at it from like a political place with what's a right. I'm just saying like, I really don't think you have to earn your right to be alive and live well and be healthy. Like you're, why do people care about dogs and shit more than we care about each other? Like why? Why? There's always people trying to rescue animals and, oh, this is so annoying. I mean, there was, there was a woman on the news who her, I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't think they were pit bulls. They weren't pit bulls because the pit bull lovers were like, yeah, see? Her, her dogs tried to, they started eating her. And I knew when I clicked on the comments, it was going to say, what does she do to the dogs? Whatever, whatever. This is a wide curve, a wide turn just to say that I don't understand we have more, why we have more empathy for animals. Like we look at them, we see they're small, some of them not even defenseless. Some of them, they could eat us and we're still like, oh my gosh, they need our love and protection. Let's rescue them. But we don't think that about other human beings. Just think about that for a second, okay? I am not trying to get all woo-woo-woo, but I'm serious. Like this, this stuff bothers me. So to wrap up my little politics melee, um, I'm just going to finish with this story. Uh, Maryland law, lawmaker, I love when they say lawmaker, like what laws did you actually make? What have you done for me lately? Um, her name is Marianne Lazanti. She's a Democrat from Hartford, Connecticut. She apologizes for referring to a majority black county as a nigger district, <laughs> which you can only laugh because I'm sorry. There's a saying in Igbo, I'm going to mess it up, but it means sad things make you laugh. Ihana Ojatochi? I don't know. To everyone else except my family, 
you guys will think I'm trilingual and I'm not. I don't know what I just said. But the saying is sad things make you laugh. And I just giggle. I have to giggle because it's absurd, right? So she told a white colleague late last month at a cigar bar, you know, when the cigar smoke is, is flowing, that's when it all, you know, that's when it all comes out. So this uh, colleague was campaigning in Prince George's County, and she said that he was just door knocking in the nigger district. Now, just to give you some background, Prince George's County is 65% black. It is one of the most affluent majority black counties in the country, according to the Census Bureau, which is just, you know, refuting that old skit with Dave Chappelle, or was it Chris Rock, about niggers and black people. You know, black people do this. Niggers do that. There's no such thing. It's a racial slur. It doesn't matter how much money we have. That's still what we are to some people. And I and I get it. And I, I just think stuff like this makes me giggle. Um, so she apologized for her word choice. This host said, I am sickened that a word that is not in my vocabulary came out of my mouth. Huh? How is, how then, how did it, huh? If it came out of your mouth, then it's in your vocabulary. Like, I'm not going to Google the definition of vocabulary. I just don't want to split these hairs with you, sis. Like, whatever you say is a word you know. Even if you don't know the meaning, you said it out of your mouth. Like, if you were a baby and we were, like, counting your words, you're just learning how to talk, it doesn't mean that you could, like, write me out, like, you know, diagram a sentence. It just means you know the word. You said it. So it's in your vocabulary, weirdo. She said she did not recall using the slur. I mean, she's she's done a lot, and none of it is helpful or makes sense. But what she's not doing is trying to give up her job, which I don't understand. Like, are you? do you really think that you saying sorry to me is going to make up for that now that I know that that's how you see us? You're supposed to represent us and make laws for us? People don't want to get fired. And I will say it again and again and again, like... People who are struggling, people who are poor, people who are trying to get their life back together. You know, your car breaks down, you can't get it fixed, so you miss work, so you lose your job because of that. So then you don't have any money to get it break, uh, fixed again, so you can't go to more job interviews. I mean, we get fired, you get fired for the easiest things, and people will have all kinds of whole ass scandals. Like, I want to have it, I've never had a scandal at work. I'm sitting here trying to think of what kind of wild shit I can get away with, just so I can see. What is the power of an apology? Can I say that I just, you know, it wasn't me and someone else, it wasn't me, somebody else did it. That I don't know, like there's someone, I've had people at work that haze me. Can I just like punch them in the face and be like, I don't know whose fist that was. Um, Punching is not my vocabulary. Usually I give more of a strong backhand. I don't usually leave marks. I usually just leave a nice hamper. Like, Mm. Anyway, this was amusing to me. Um, and so now people are analyzing the whole, like, oh, is you know, what's her heart? I don't know her heart. Has she used the term in the past? How many times has she used it? Was it a hard ER? Like, shut up. Shut up and go home. I don't, none of you are needed. None of you are needed. I have a five-year-old cousin who's bilingual. His, his vocabulary is coming along great. He could probably do your job. He would probably say less offensive things, although I did feel like he said some shady things to me last time I saw him, because you know how five-year-olds are. Yeah, he'll come for you a little bit. Oh, yeah, we were doing karaoke, and he just got on the mic over Christmas and said, If you don't have things in your house, go to your store and get some things for your house. I think he was like three then. We were like, what is this read, and how is this happening to us? 
but I'm sure he wouldn't call us niggers. And that, so that's where I'll leave that. So the last thing I'll say about this is the partisan things that shouldn't be partisan, what I was referring to earlier, was that it's fascinating to me when I get on, like I almost made a Washington Post login so I could like respond to some comments, but then I was like, Kalechi, you want to pretend you have a life. Like you, the first step is pretending and you just can't, you just can't do this because I'm like, at some days I'm like, you're about to be like the social media, like, women's liberation racial politics version of like a a reddit incel so i resisted but and i can't change these interesting and terrifying like strains of logic with just the force of my typing fingers alone but um what i see is people gloating when there's a racism incident on the democratic side and saying see you Democrats are the hypocrites. You're the racist ones. And did it. And it's like, it makes you feel so left out as a black person. You're just like, wow, we're not even like real people to you that are affected by this. We're just, we're not like humans. We're just like here on the outside as, as a, we're a topic like for you to virtue signal about so that you can be in office just cause like, you know, it's like a right thing to do. It's, it feels so strange. And then you also just want to chuckle cause you're like, wait a minute. Like, wait a minute, both of you are racist. No one ever, the problem is America. The problem is not like a specific party specifically. So like, I don't think any black people thought like no Democrats are racist. Like when, why? No, we just know that one party has been more actively completely destructive in its policies than others and gets on TV and says crazy. I mean, we're just going full blown immigrants get out of the country. (laughs) Like it's crazy now. So it's very clear Which party hates you a little bit more? So, but like, yeah, it's just like that thing of like these issues, me too. You know, I I brought this issue up when I saw the same kind of commentary about Al Franken. And like for for me, if you ask me, they can all go. I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. We change jobs all the time. Somebody else can have it. Somebody else wants it. I really do think it's such a privilege to be employed. Like, and privilege of, I don't mean in a, Ivanka Trump way. I just mean like jobs are hard to get, exposure is hard to get, connections are hard to get, and these political jobs are very coveted, they're exclusive, and there are people who have good ideas and are waiting, just waiting to get their chance to make some change, and I don't see why we have to just be obsessed with mediocrity all the time. And a word for my white listeners. Hey friends, hey guys. Um, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable when I say the N-word. Maybe don't play this out loud and mixed company, these portions, but there, there's no, like black people, we're not going to melt when we hear the N-word. It's not, I think we oftentimes pretend that the destructive power of the word is the word and not who's using it. And I just really don't believe that to be true. It's totally fine for me to say it. You just can't say it. That's really the only thing you have to remember. And everything's going to be fine. You're never going to get punched in the face. You're never going to have a scandal and have to give weird apologies. I mean, if I'll see, I'll see how my inbox is looking. If people want me to delve more into this debate later, I'm happy to because it pisses me off. I think we all understand the basic structure of things like, you know, I can be like, oh my God, I'm so fat today. And you can't be like, yeah, you fucking, why don't you roll down the stairs, girl? No, you, I can take negative things and turn them into like a colloquial thing for me. You know, you can make fun of your mom. I can't make fun of your mom. We know this. And it's only with us 
with black people that we have to pretend like it's really confusing. And maybe, I don't know. I'm not even going to get into the reasons why, but that was just a word. That was just a word on that. So when I'm reporting something where someone calls someone a nigger, and I'm, I'm going to say the word. Everyone has bad days, but have you been having more than your fair share recently? Are you doing things that are out of character for the real you? The real you, you know. The one your family and friends know, not the you that is comprised of your actions, morals, values, things you say. When your Indian coworker put his lunch in the microwave, maybe you yelled, duck, it's a bomb. Or the bus driver didn't stop and you said, fuck you, jungle bunny. Sound familiar? Well, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is we can help, and the bad news is you're possessed. You see, years of careful study show that Racism does not actually exist in North America. It simply can't. It's too cold here. Instead, we have demons that jump inside of some people's bodies, take over their souls, and make them say things that are just not in their vocabulary. Did I say we could help? I mean, I lied. We actually can't. You've been possessed by a demon. That's that's really serious. That's outside of most people's expertise. I mean, I can't think of any other reason you would just do things that are not in your control that you don't believe in. So... You should probably get that looked at as soon as possible by a priest and a doctor. Just have a priest and a doctor come at the same time. Okay, let me know how it goes. I just feel like it's insensitive to sell the actual product that we were selling when you're possessed. So until next time. Da, 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 da. Another old thing for another show. That's my um, red carpet music. So the Oscars were this weekend. Like I said, all anyone was talking about before this morning was that. And just like that, it's, it's I don't even know what the coverage is going to be. Poof. It's this week has been crazy. So full disclosure, I didn't watch the Oscars and I didn't watch many of the uh the nominees, the movies, I just, it's been a crazy couple months and I was sent my SAG screeners. Screeners are, if you're a member of SAG, they send you the movies that are, um, it's for your consideration. And so they're DVDs. Um, I thought I joined SAG last year, uh, with my first TV role and I had been like, eligible to join um, for a while because of a commercial that I did but I once you like actually join that's when you pay your dues which are thousands of dollars and you're like officially a member so you should put it off until you actually well you should just put it off until like it makes sense you know like don't join if you're going to make like 700 from the job that you have to do because then you're going to owe 700 dollars you're going to make 700 dollars but have to pay like 3,000 to join so all that is to say, I'm new to the system, and I thought they might be sending some sort of links just because of, I thought someone had said that to me before. I don't know, but I have, like, Hulu programs on DVD. Like, I have, like, I got DVDs of, like, The Handmaid's Tale and stuff. But yeah, I don't have a DVD player. didn't really get around to some of the films. So I don't really want to go into, like, who should have won and what should won when I can't compare all of them effectively. I just want to say, like, congratulations to Queens, historic wins. Congratulations, Regina. So, so excited. 
I love Mahershala Ali. We'll get into that. I actually met him. That's a lie. See, this is why people lie. Michael Cohen lies. It's rubbing off on me. Did you meet someone if you, like, said hi? I, no. Meeting someone is getting to introduce yourself. I, I didn't meet him, but I was walking, like, very close to where I am right now with my little brother, and I saw him across the street, and we, like, got closer to him across the street, and I was like, oh, my God, that's him. And then my tongue was caught. I couldn't, like, say his name. I knew it, but I was like, I'm going to mess it up. It's going to be so embarrassing. And so I was like, Mr. Ali, love your work. And he, like, saluted us, and then... There was a scaffolding. There's always scaffolding in New York. Nothing is ever finished. And he grabbed it and did a somersault over it and then did kind of like a, a bow and salute and walked away. Like, I mean, we like walked to where we were going. It was so cool. I felt acknowledged. I guess he was excited. I guess he was, what's that thing people do when they like, not spelunking. What's that thing, high, high intensity thing people do where they jump off stuff in cities? It was kind of like that. I don't know. It was a moment. Anyway, he's so talented. I mean, just even the way he can change his voice from character to character is so impressive. He's really fine. We're, I mean, that goes without saying. But excited for, for all the black nominees and winners, uh, costume design for Black Panther. I mean, it was a historic evening in that sense. So the only thing I want to get into is to address the Green Book thing and to really, the way that I like to do on this show, come from the perspective of like what people think about a thing, which is what really fascinates me. So I don't have that much to say except I heard about the movie Green Book. I was not, I was, I was offended. Like this, the Green Book is something that people barely even knew what it was. A lot of people didn't know what it was. And this is a book that listed places that were safe to stay when you were traveling in the South in the 50s as a black person. Like, what places accepted black people, you know? And we think of this as so long ago, but, like, this is my mom going on road trips with her parents and not being able to stay certain places. And just just think about that for a second. Think about the fact that you know people... You might work with them. They're, they're getting up into, like, grandparents' age now. You know, they're in their 60s. Who, this is just on your shoulders. This is in your sub- subconscious. This is your life. Like, so if it sounds like if you're listening to it for the first time and you're like, oh, my God, why is she always talking about being black? Why is she always talking about race? Blah, blah, blah. Like, what does it mean to grow up with apartheid just kind of like, as like, yeah, this is the way this is. You know, you just go here, just go there. Oh, we live in Buffalo. My family's from Buffalo, but like, if we want to go on vacation to the Grand Canyon, you know, we we drove across the country to do this. Your grandma and grandpa took us here. And like, think of, what does it mean that all of the, the whole ethnic group of people just kind of subsume this fact that you can't do certain things you're not wanted here you're not wanted there you're blocked out of these opportunities and I'm just talking about the kind of like psychological state of being of that not the part where you're physically in danger of being murdered and killed and that's just icing on the cake it's just fascinating right it's fascinating it's just something I like to reprocess every once in a while because when you watch the news you're gonna see people that look old enough and saggy and run down as if they could have been in the Revolutionary War, as if they were actually died in the War of 1812 and like a necromancer witch 
brought them back to life to make them a talking head on Fox News. And they're going to be like, I don't know. Is that offensive? I can't tell. What What is this? They're, I mean, everyone never used to talk about racism in my day. Like, it, they're lying. They might not have thought about it that much because it didn't affect them that much, but there were some very real, like, circumstances of life that we kind of pretend like were not real and should not affect people anymore. Um, Tucker Carlson said, you know, why don't black people just get over slavery? We're never going to have... These are the things people do during Black History Month, the shortest month of the year, and you're trying to come out and just make clown-ass statements. It's on purpose, and I find it offensive. I find you and your bowl haircut offensive, okay? I just want to let you know I don't like you. I hope we get to meet one day, okay? I'll see you outside. Cash me outside. How about that? How about that? Anyway, yeah, it's, it's rude. So all that is to say is that the Green Book is a thing that is like, it's a it's a sensitive topic, and I even think even calling it Green Book sets an expectation that it's going to be about a certain kind of thing, like a black person who's not a supporting character. Just expectations, right? So when I found out that Viggo Mortensen was the star, and you know I'm already like racist against like European actors, like <laughs> I have. I'm not, but, like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I have a thing about them coming here and taking our jobs. I want to build a dome. You want to build a wall? I want to build a dome across the sky so that they can't fly in, learn American accents. And I'm not even coming for him because, like, I honestly haven't seen him in anything since Lord of the Rings. But, no, does it does it grind my gears a little bit? Yes, that, like, European actors are considered better than American actors by Americans, and, like, we elevate them and... Yes. Yes. I'm being petty and I'm just going to put it out there. So, yeah. That you want to talk about who's taking jobs? <laughs> anyway. Um right. So, already I'm like, okay, Viggo Mortensen's playing a southerner. I don't know how that's going to work out. It's a green book to do. And then I heard, you know, I heard people talking about I mean, once I found out Mahershala Ali wasn't the lead, I was just confused and I just wasn't that interested, right? So, boom. So I didn't watch the movie, haven't watched it yet, I definitely will now, boom. Everything people were saying about it confirmed what I thought. I'm not crediting myself as right, or my opinions are right. I want to be very clear. I'm saying why I wasn't interested and why I was off-put. I found the idea off-putting, and people then started to say, yes, it is like a buddy movie that's about this white guy that learns to not be racist by driving this... um, driver or driving this you know famous musician he was a real historical figure his family isn't does not approve of this narrative they do not like the story I was told that the the white dude teaches him to eat fried chicken and like loosen up and I I just was like offended by the concept that there's always two things to learn like it's an even relationship for someone to learn not to be racist and then like that the racist has something to teach like what if you don't have anything to teach me what if you're just, what if you don't? What if I have my shit together and you don't? Like, let's not make these things equivalent. So it sounded distasteful. People started complaining. You know, the same white savior tropes. Why does it always have to be about a white person? And this seemed like one of the biggest ones. Like, how you made a something called Green Book about white people. Like, a white person. Like, that's crazy to me. So, boom. So the movie, you know, it wins an Oscar. Spike Lee walks out. 
Congratulations to Spike Lee, by the way, like after long last winning his Oscar last night for Black Klansman. Not last night, Sunday, you know what I mean? But that was awesome. And everyone is so divided. And so what I just wanted to talk about was the divide. It was very interesting and predictable because the vast majority of black people that I saw anywhere, critics, social media, culture writers, had the same complaints about Green Book as they do about a host of other movies, like it's driving Miss Daisy all over again, it's um, the white savior, there was a hilarious parody, um, the white, uh, white savior film, like, like there was kind of a collage of all these different tropes together. Um, and then white people I saw were justifying how much they loved it. It was this, it was that. They didn't understand why it was offensive. And I just, I'm like, if you don't understand why it's offensive, but like all of the people that are being depicted by this other character think that, not all of them, but the vast majority. What is that? What does that mean? Really, what does it mean? Like, is it more likely that you as a white person are do not have the same vantage point to be sensitive to those ideas? Or is it more likely that this whole other group is being insensitive? I'm not, who has ownership of like what is right and what is wrong? You know, no one, right? But in just in thinking of how we get information, I would just think that if something is, if I perceive something to be neutral, but then a whole bunch of other people are retaliating against it in a very strong, passionate way, that there's something I missed. Because what are the chances that, what, what, what is the other option? So if we reverse that, they all interpreted something wrong, but they had to all interpret the same thing, right? Because it had to be there for them to react against it, right? So like, they all interpret something wrong that made them lose their mind, and I'm the only one that gets this as a good time. That's weird to me. So I would just encourage people who are not getting it, not getting why someone is upset, and we can extrapolate this to a lot of the other issues we've talked about, to ask. But just don't be comfortable to write a speech online about how you think it was great and you had a great time, because I'm sure you know people that could tell you otherwise. And that's in the same way that I'm saying that I do that, because I read comments from the other side too, right? And I talk to you guys about it. I read what this person said, what that person said. Do I roundly dismiss it sometimes? Most of the time, yes. But I am at least aware that there are like dissenting opinions of people that disagree, and I do my best to figure out why. So that's all I really want to say about that. Just like, I think you really have to ask, what does it mean when two different groups are on completely different sides of this thing? Like they have to not be communicating with each other that well. And I will say, just as an end note, that I do know some black people that said they enjoyed the film. And I like, I'm not saying that if I sat in there, I'd be the whole time like, oh, brother. Like, films are made to, you know, be, I think, oh, what was I listening to? Um, culture writer Wesley Norris said, like, to cast a spell. So it's supposed to be entertaining. It's got to be a little bit entertaining. I don't think when something has some sort of problematic tropes in it, it's just like a, a bore from start to finish. It doesn't mean it wasn't fun. It wasn't a good time. It just means, like, there are perhaps structural issues, issues with optics, things like that. But anyway, I hope I did a good enough job talking about something that I didn't see because I tried not to talk about, I tried to talk about other people's opinions, but like, yeah. 
But that was just what I found fascinating. Like the huge, huge divide. In other Oscar news, the beautiful, talented, honey-voiced voice of an angel touched by an angel vocal cords, Billy Porter of Kinky Boots fame, of Sunday in the Park with George album, that stunning fame, and most recently on Pose, he wore a tuxedo dress. His It was a tux on top, and then it was this full, fabulous, flouncy, layered skirt at the bottom. It was just a look, and it was just artful. It was artfully done. It was really beautiful. I'm sorry. I took a moment to look at another picture of it, and it was velvet, and just the tailoring was exquisite. I mean, it was just... Ooh, and it was also a tribute to, um, an homage to Hector Extravaganza, who passed recently, and he was um, in Paris's burning and one of the founding, you know, mothers, fathers of the ballroom scene, and it was an it was a nice moment, and so I looked at it and I thought, cool, but you know, I'm living a crazy liberal artist bubble. Then I went on the internet and people were mad. And again, just talking about the emasculization, I'm going to leave it like that because that's not a word and what they said didn't make sense. So I'm going to just leave it. The emasculization of the black man and men in dresses. And, you know, I went on one, a blogger that I liked, Demetria, her site. And she was like, you know, this man was like, what am I supposed to tell my son? I don't. What do you mean? Is your son blind? If he has eyes, you won't have to see tell him anything. He'll look at it and he'll see a person in clothing. Like, why do people always invoke their dumb children? Children are beautiful. But you know what? I mean, the concept is dumb. No, your kids are probably dumb, too. I, why do you always say that? What about my kids? What? Are, because I have daughters. Because I have sons. Oh, my gosh. You got someone pregnant. Ah, it's so annoying. Anyway, don't use your kids as an excuse for your bigotry. Like your kids are going to learn what you tell them. So if you tell them that some people wear clothes with an opening at the bottom where their balls can have a breeze or their vajayjays, then they're going to be like, cool. And, you know, maybe one day they'll go on a trip to Dubai and they'll see men wearing stuff that's also open in the bottom and is basically a dress. So the idea that we're only supposed to wear one thing and it's this is masculine and this is feminine. It's so dumb when you just think about the thing, the fact that fashion changes over time. Why are people so myopic that you think this one thing now is is all that ever was? Like, why? It do, it's so slow. Like, anyway, yeah, people were mad. Like, people were very mad. First of all, I'm like, he's just so gay and openly gay that, like, for you to be mad at a gay icon for wearing a dress is just kind of like... Might there be a better use of your time? Like a woman, I wrote a comment on this page where, you know, Dimitri was praising his look and also criticizing people for being angry. And I observed that, you know, one of the things that always strikes me about these incidents is that why is it that small minded for small minded people, the most degrading, disgusting thing that you can do as a man is put on a dress is do something that aligns yourself with femininity. And these are the same type of people that say, oh, you know, I'm okay with gay men as long as they don't act all like, you know, whatever. You know, like, it's just like, so what you're really saying is you hate women, you hate femininity, and it's all misogyny at the end of the day. 
why is the worst thing you could do, you know, why is it that the worst thing you could do would be to adopt female attributes? Why? We are strong as hell. We endure pain that you will never, ever have to endure from every month to nine months when we decide to give birth. Like, it's disgusting to me that that is so offensive to you that someone might want to become a woman. But that is why we have like so, you know, such hatred against trans women. And I'm not saying that gay men want to become a woman, but you get what I'm saying. Like the alignment with anything feminine makes people lose their minds. And I, and it's offensive to me actually. So I'm not even the, what you think is a targeted group when you say stuff like that, but I see through you and I'm offended. And so, you know, some woman responded to me and was like, well, well, first some man was like, how would you know what's masculine? Are you a man? And I was like, yes, just, I don't have time. Sure. I'm a man. And then another woman was like, you know, it's more, it's, if nobody should be crying about, you know, they can't find a black man if you're supporting this. So are you saying that I should date Billy Porter? Cause I think that would violate consent. Like, I'm not sure he'd be up for that. He might, I, I don't, what are you saying? Are you saying that like all the gay men that are alive are just like, we need to take them and trap them and change them back. So we have a black man to marry. Like that's stupid. It's all so dumb. How did this hotel, if anyone knows how hotepism got like this, let me know. Like, how did this happen? How did this whole like back to Africa, lifting up the community movement be aligned with, with homophobia? That's, that's something I don't know that I need to understand more, but I thought I was, you know, being all deep and, you know, I thought I like came up with this idea on my own, like, which I did. It's what I think. But Billy Porter said the exact same thing. He said he wanted to really play with masculine and feminine. He said, this look was interesting to me because it's not drag. I'm not a drag queen. I'm a man in the, in a dress. But he also said, now why is it that women can wear pants and nobody bats an eye, but a man wears a dress and people go crazy. And people have brought this up with the, the language and messaging to our young girls. For example, like I consider myself to be like not an idiot and I'm handy. I build Ikea furniture. I like dinosaurs. You know, there's boy things, heavy quotations that I like, but I was born from the womb, like wanting to be a ballerina and wear all pink. I was, I was too chubby, but I want, like, I was a ballet girl, mommy's ballet girl. And I wanted to wear tutus and flounce about and be a princess. Like I still stand for princess things. Like it's just, I, I don't know. That's the way I am. I'm girly, whatever that means. So and we had to talk about like in our culture, how we teach girls, you know, there's this praise for the tomboy and like, she just wants to play with the frogs. Like fuck all that pink shit. It's like, well, hold up. I actually like pink stuff. I choose pink. Okay. My walls are a beautiful shade of blue, but that's because I love the ocean. But I just, you know, like it's, why do we have to denigrate what's feminine? And, you know, teaching girls STEM doesn't mean that they can't wear dresses and stuff. You know, like it's, it's not either or. We have to, whatever we think femininity means, and that can evolve too, we need to have a serious close look at how we talk about it and what kind of things we're associating with it and then how we denigrate those things because 
you know, what does it mean to say that you have to divorce yourself from, well, we know what it means to say that to be a successful little girl, you have to divorce yourself from those girly things and tea parties. And it's better to be rough and tumble. And then your parents didn't brag about that. Like teach me how to throw a ball or what? Look, I'm violent. Okay. And competitive. Like I love me some tag football and all that stuff, but I'm still girly. Like you can do all of that. So these, you know, stark dichotomies are very damaging and it's just really interesting to keep thinking about where they come from. But yeah, I mean, I'm not telling you anything new. Homophobia is real. People were really mad. He was in a dress, but like they were just mad at like an already very out and proud man. And I think it's bizarre and get over it. It's a piece of cloth at the end of the day. And he looked fabulous. So stop hating because you're drab and boring. First of all, let's talk about one of my favorite words, schadenfreude, pleasure in other people's pain, because that's what I feel about R. Kelly amassing millions of dollars over his career and not being able to post a $100,000 bond. There's no excuse for it. It doesn't make sense. I already told you guys you need to pay your taxes. Cardi B already told you to get some financial advisors, but I don't want to give him any advice that might help him, so this is not for him. Anyway, last week, you heard me complaining that he had just had a new sex tape release and the news was just only focused on Jesse. The very next day, he was arrested. And so he was in jail. And now he's been released by a good Samaritan, of course. She is a simpleton. I mean, that goes without saying. She's a 47-year-old Chicago woman who says that R. Kelly is a friend of hers and he's not a monster. He's only been a gentleman to me. And why don't we focus on the Catholic Church? And I, he's never been anything but a gentleman to me, but why are we talking about this? But I don't know whether he did it or not because you weren't there and I wasn't there. I'm like, wait, which one is it? I'm unclear. Is it that he's only been a gentleman to you? So that somehow proves that he's only been a gentleman to everyone else. I... We started this podcast at a weird time in history where everyone is a rapist. So I just feel like I've gone over these things before, and I hope I don't have to keep talking about them. We've kind of gone over every, which one of the ways people are stupid about sexual assault and defending it, but just to circle back to my whole favorite analogy that like, Ted Bundy didn't kill you, but he's still a serial killer, right? Okay. Yeah. I don't think that most serial rapists, murderers have time to get to every single person on the planet Earth. It just would be a lot to pack in there. It would be a lot to pack in a day. You'd need an executive assistant to very tightly manage your schedule to get from murder to murder. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much for one person to take on by themselves. So I'm not sure why you think if someone else is accused of doing things to other people, he didn't do it to you. Furthermore, you're 47 years old, he's 52, and and he's a pedophile. You're too old for him. He's not, may not have been interested in you that way. So I just, you know, you're not his target demographic. <sighs> Whatever. Anyway, she, this is a lady who runs a, a daycare, as in a place that children go to be watched, called like the Lord's Daycare, something very strange and pretentious. Like the Lord's not there, but it's called the Lord's Daycare something to that effect and it's just outrageous so there's so many things to question like friend he's my friend he's he's a friend in need and so I'm gonna believe my friend that's not 
how, like, sometimes you have interventions for your friends. Sometimes you dump your friends and get new friends. You don't have the same friends from birth that you have at the end of your life. Usually just very few, a select few. The idea that if someone is your friend, it just means that you don't call them out for sexual assaulting women. It made no sense. It was completely contradictory and nonsense. So she's a fool. She also did say, I'm not going to say he's broke. I won't say who gave me the money. It's not my money. I don't, huh? So you're just like the fall guy for someone else who doesn't want to be exposed. Where does this chain of stupid lead to? I feel like it's like, you know, like the 12 days before Christmas where you had to make those paper chains and you're just unwrapping them. Like what's at the end? What is the present at the end? This dumb person is passing after this dumb person and this dumb person. Like, why do you guys all want to be friends with a balding, decrepit, broke pedophile? It's beyond me. There are more interesting criminals in Chicago, like Jesse Smollett. There's not a lot to update about Jesse Smollett this week. I think there have been more parodies and ridicule than news development. However, um, there is a statement from Empire Team saying that he will not be featured on the last two episodes of the season, which is awkward for so many reasons i mean it's just going to be a very meta theatrical experience to be watching it thinking about what happened and then see that he's not there i mean i just can imagine the characters being like anybody seen jamal baby he went to the store to get a sandwich for the next two weeks like it's it's awkward on shows when you know someone is gone for a reason and like remember on um downton abbey when Matthew, um, homegirls, Mary's first husband, I don't remember she got married again. I don't, I don't think I watched the end of it, but he just suddenly died in a car accident because he had a Broadway show coming up. And you were just like, what? I'm so emotionally scarred. I was like, what the hell? And then he's just smiling. He's like, I just found out I'm going to have a baby. And then driving along in his like Model T or whatever. And then, gosh, I was like, what? And then I like go online and I see a press release for his like Broadway show. I was like, well, dang, like don't do us like that. So it's rough. Those instances are rough, but good luck to everybody. And I hope that works out. Um, But yeah, the statement was kind. It said, we love him. He's, you know, an integral part of our family here for the past five years. Couldn't do without him, but we just have to be conscientious of everything that's going on and how it affects the the shooting schedule basically is how I interpreted it. Um, yeah. So I don't have anything else about that except my feeling haven't, my feelings have not changed that much that I just, all I wanted was for people to not be sure of things that are still unclear and coming out in drips and drabs and retractions and redactions. And then to not treat him like he's a murderer. Like, I don't know. I found our outrage to be a little bit, out not the word is not outsized the word is just I still am so deeply cynical of the fact that I feel like people are more like upset and disturbed to have to feel like something racist happen than when racist things actually happen like that is how I feel I think to be very that's just how I feel in my heart like I feel like people feel so like used, like, oh my God, you almost made me feel sorry for you black people. And it's a lie. Like there's crazier shit than that going on. There's people die and people get murdered and 
I just feel something icky inside about the way people are acting like what he did is the worst possible crime that you could, because it's not. And if you really want to be, I'm still scared of things like Charlottesville. Like, you know, people, you could go march outside and for something that you believe in as a liberal, uh, something anti-racist and get run over in a car and murdered. And that really happened. You know, we don't talk about that that much anymore. And it was just like two years ago. So I, I think that, I hate to sound like R. Kelly's best friend, broke-ass daycare bitch, but I just feel weird about it. I do. I I think, I just hope he doesn't become a scapegoat for everything. The liberals don't make up hate crimes that much. I don't, somebody check me if I'm wrong. I just, I don't feel like it's something that happens every day, so why make it an example of a thing? You know what I mean? Been your soup on a so long. I'm ready to be your wife. Wait, that's the wrong song. I just went back into Superwoman. For the most okay. non cynical thing that I enjoyed this week, Portia on Real Housewives of Atlanta is pregnant. She's been pregnant, but she's engaged. And it was really sweet. It was something that only would have worked on Portia. I don't know if she's really surprised that she pretended, but her boyfriend told her that there was a helicopter ride, that a charity was riding them in a helicopter to the charity event. If that's the kind of thing people really do for charity, just give them the money. Just give it to them. But anyway, um, he put roses all over like the building where they ended up and then Lil Mo was inside singing forever. I was like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. I cried. I won't even lie to you. I shed a tear. I just shed. I had to pour enough for the homies for a high school jam. I was like, yes, this is giving me life. It was so sweet. She's been through a lot. You know, she can be really trifling and I still don't understand her anger management problem and why she she fights people like for no reason. It's like she blacks out and gets possessed, but I don't know. I still, I think it's cool that even in her quirky way with her whole, I'm not going to ask this man any questions, you know, she ended up with a guy who had a past and used to get every one of his ex-girlfriend's tattoos on his body. Even as recently as two months before he met her, he had a new tattoo from someone that I think he overlapped with her dating, but it proved that, when people are ready to settle down, they just do it. And he was ready. So it's like, I think it's a positive story. You know, everyone can be trifling and then they will rise to the occasion and meet their person. And it was sweet. And I was like, oh my God, Lomo, you know I live for an early 2000s jam. All right, that is it for Cake and Kombucha this week. Please stay tuned next week. I hope to have a little more pop culture because um, Kylie Jenner's best friend, whatever her name is, is going to appear on Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith to discuss how she hooked up with Khloe Kardashian's baby daddy. And that should be interesting. I'm just saying. It can't all be politics all the time, right? (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. You know where to find me at Kelezier. That's K-E-L-E-Z-I-E on Instagram. Or email me at cakeandkombucha at gmail.com. 
But most importantly of all, please subscribe and please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That is how we get bumped up with the metrics and the algorithms and the algeros. Okay? Thank you so much. And I will see you in a week. And see you in my mind's eye is what I meant. Because I can't see you. Really. Cake and Kombucha is produced by me, Kelechi Azie, and recorded in New York City. If you like the music that you heard, that was Midnight by Melanie J.B. Charles, an amazing Haitian-American songstress. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, check out MelanieJBCharles.com for her live concert dates or find her on Spotify. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks.